Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Stadium in Sydney, and, and we just heard some great speakers, Louis Giglio and Samuel, Reverend, uh, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez and J. John Cannon and Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle. It was just a great time just to be filled. You know, who, need, who knows sometimes you need the tanks to be filled a little bit? You can give and give and invest, but it's important that we find things in our life that fill us and recharge us, um, and for people that's different things, so it was a great time just to get inspired and encouraged. Um, and Christian this morning is preaching at C3 Barunga um, for Jake and Kerry Bedlam. So they do send their love. Um, so you're going to have to sit there and endure me, which is awesome. So um, come on, God's good. You know, I really have an, a heart this morning that the message I have for you is, is really for, for our church in the season that it's in and for people this morning. So um, I just ask that you sit there, just open your heart. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit really just brings this forward this morning. So if you have your Bibles... I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15. We're going to kick off in verse 1, and it says this. It says, I am the true vine. Everybody say true vine. True vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself... Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire And it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And so we're coming to the end of this series and season around being purposefully made. And so I want to impart into you this morning the truth that you and I have actually been purposefully designed by God to connect. To be connected. That we actually are really, if you think about it, spiritually and genetically predisposed to flourish in life when we as a creation are connected to our creator. That's what we're designed for. And so if what Christ is telling us in the scripture is true, which I believe it is, what implications does it have for you and I? And so I want you to think for a moment about your life as a vineyard. Think about yourself standing in a vineyard, surrounded by many vines. There are many vines in your life that you can choose as a branch to graft yourself to. There's the relationship vine, there's a career vine, there's your family vine, your children vine, there's substance vine. You see, and the idea with grafting is this, is that something grafted into something else is meant to draw nutrient from that vine, nutrient from that place, so that the two of them become one. The two of them look one, they become one, they draw nutrient from one to the other, and the nutrient that is drawn from a vine into a branch that has been grafted to it, basically will outwork itself in that branch's fruit at some point or another. So, for example, if you think about a grape branch, it's grafted into a grape vine. It draws nutrient up from the roots of the vine into the branch, and that manifests itself in that branch as a grape. And the nature of fruit is this. It's always seen. It always becomes visible to people, and it always has the potential to affect others as they partake of it. Amen? 
And so, for example, if you think for a minute about the vine of substance abuse, so many people, if it's alcohol or drugs, they graft themselves to this vine of substance abuse, and the fruit of that eventually outworks itself in their life as a very destructive force. We know that it, it destroys relationships, it destroys health, it robs them eventually of their finances, and probably in worst case scenarios, it can even take their life, amen? And so, when we graft ourselves, however, to Christ, as He's intended for us, and if we have Christ living on the inside of us by His Holy Spirit, then the Bible tells us in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of that Spirit in us is what? Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that's good fruit. That's qualities that don't just affect your life, but they actually touch and transform people that come into your life. You know, it's fruit, it's fruit that the Bible says glorifies God. And so I want to really put that key passage we just read, John 15, into context for you this morning. Because if we step back a little bit and we look at John 14, what we read is Jesus is there and he's speaking to his disciples and he's revealing himself to his disciples. And what he's doing is he's addressing this anxiety and this worry that the disciples are beginning to feel because Jesus' time on earth is coming to an end. And so they're beginning to sink in. The, the reality is beginning to sink in for them that Jesus is going to go from them. He's going to leave, and they're not quite sure where to from here. He's, been, he's had three years with them, journeying intimately, pouring out into them, investing in them. But now all of a sudden, he's saying, guys, my time here is done, and I'm going to leave you. But he's saying, I don't want your hearts to be anxious and worried and troubled because I'm going so that I can send another. I'm going that I can send my spirit who's going to come and dwell on the inside of you. I have to go in order that I can send my spirit who's coming to live on the inside of you. And really that spirit is me. So I'm coming to abide inside of you rather than just abide with you like I have been. And when the spirit comes to you, if you receive him, you will receive me and I will still be with you and he will be your advisor and he will be your counselor and he will teach you the way to go and he'll give you words to speak and he'll give you discernment so you are able to fulfill the call that I've placed on your life. Amen. And so the passage then following on from what we've just read talks about Jesus and he's saying, not only am I coming to abide in you by my spirit, but I want you to choose. Everyone say choose. I want you to choose to abide in me. And how do we do that? Well, the Bible says by keeping my commandments, by being obedient. In what? Well, first, in loving the Lord your God with all your heart mind, soul, and strength, and then loving others as you love yourself. And Jesus says, if you would do this, then you will abide in me, and my love and my joy will be perfected in you. Amen? And so why is this important? Why do we need to know that? Because the truth is, the vineyard of life that we stand in has many vines that offer themselves to us. But the truth is that there is only one true vine, and his name is Jesus. There's only one true answer. And you see, the reality is for most of us that there are seasons where our hearts are anxious and troubled and worried and weighed down by many things. You know, we go through the motions. Are our kids going to be okay? What does their future look like? Are they going to grow up to succeed? Uh, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? I'm a bit confused. Or am I going to have the resources to provide for my family always? I don't know. Or how do I get out of destructive patterns and relationships I know I shouldn't be in, but I'm kind of stuck in the cycle. And so we worry and we stress and we stay up at night. And to all of these, Jesus presents a promise and he says, guys, I understand. I know. I see your heart. But, but for all the vines before you, if you would choose me, 
if you would choose to graft yourself to me, if you would choose to abide in me and my spirit in you, I will begin to produce through in and through you. And what that fruit's going to do is where you were traveling with fear, I'm going to start to give you peace. And where you were lying awake with anxiety, I'm going to give you rest. And where you were struggling with depression and hopelessness, I'm going to start bringing joy in your world. And only that true vine is going to give you fruit that's going to last in this life and the next. It's fruit that the Bible says glorifies God, and it tells people, you know what, you follow Jesus. You're a disciple of God, amen? And so if you'll allow me this morning, what I want to do is kind of just shift a little bit, weight maybe that people carry, maybe a false expectation, according to the Word of God, what He's telling us about abiding in the vine, because sometimes we feel like we need to prove ourselves to God that He's happy He made the decision to A, make us, and B, call us His sons and daughters. But who understands that when you see a truth in the Word of God, it has the power to set you free. It has the power to liberate you. And John 8.32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make or set you free. And so this morning I want to say that the foundational principle for you and I living a fruitful life is based in this word abide. Abide. And the Greek word for abide is meno, and, and what it means is to stay. It means to remain. It means to endure. It means to be expectant to be present. And so if I want to stay in Christ, then I need to learn what it is to actually yield to Christ. I need to, go to, I need to let go of that constant tension that we build for ourselves in life, trying to make sure that our ducks are in a row, trying to make sure that our future's planned out properly, trying to make sure that we, we're not going to slip and we're not going to fall and we're trying to build our lives and there's this tension that we juggle with. But sometimes we need to learn what it is to simply remain in Christ to learn to be still. There's seasons where God will cause us to be, call us to be still, to just stay connected to one true vine. And so some of you may know, over Easter, Ange and I probably spent about five days in hospital with our daughter, Indy, and she, had, she came up one night with this massive swelling around her neck, and we didn't know what it was, and I thought she had dislocated something. It was quite intense, and we ended up having to admit her in a hospital. But who understands that three-year-olds in hospitals don't really go very well together? You know, no matter how good your intention, three-year-olds don't understand the concept of why they have to be in hospital, and they don't understand the concept of having to yield to doctors, nurses, and treatment that they need to get, amen? And so, one of the first things the doctors needed to do for Indy when she got admitted into hospital was they needed to put an IV line into her arm to get pretty strong antibiotics into her body to hopefully combat whatever was causing this infection in her neck, now, parents, who's with me, there is no amount of clever conversation or negotiating or bribery or dancing that is going to convince a three-year-old to sit still and let some stranger stick a needle in their arm. Who's with me on that one? So you can imagine, after much wrestling and screaming and kicking and carrying on holding down this girl, they got this ivy line into her arm and, and put up the bandages, and I thought all was good, only to discover the next frustration. As that antibiotics start to work, and India's kind of perking up, she's back to her bouncing off the walls and jumping off the bed and carrying on. That didn't do any favors for keeping this needle in her arm and bandages where it should be. And so on no less than two occasions, she's dislodged the needle from her vein and you know, messed up the bandages. And so on no less than two occasions, we're back in the treatment room, holding down a screaming child, kicking while the nurses are reinserting the needle and putting the bandage on. So that was awesome. 
And so why am I saying that? Because sometimes you and I can do the very same thing with God. Sometimes we actually need to learn to stop fighting, to dislodge the talents from God's hands and God's arm, trying to persuade and push his hand this way and that way over our life. Sometimes we need to stop trying to create and produce in our life what only God can do, amen? Sometimes we've got to try and uh, stop trying to navigate life. Stop trying to deliver on what God can deliver on. Sometimes it's more about remaining still and allowing God to insert the ivy line into your life that he can get that power and that grace and that peace from him to you. The problem is, like Indy, we don't understand that at the end of the day it's supposed to benefit us. And sometimes when pain comes along in life, we can act like Indy and we begin to kick back and push back and fight back at God because all we can see is the pain. And what we try and do is we try and speed up the miracle. Or we try and speed up a process to avoid as much pain as we can. And sometimes we try and take the steering wheel of the ship of our life and against the prevailing winds of what God's trying to do, we, we try to break ranks. We try to turn it another way. We want to go in the direction we want to go. And sometimes what happens is when we do that and there's this fighting and this resisting with God, according to what His Word is telling us, we can break connection. And we can break the ivy line. And we, instead of remaining in him, we begin to wonder. We begin to get confused. We begin to try to do things on our, on our own. And what happens is that we become disconnected. And how many of you have had those seasons where you've had the fruit of God outworked in your life and it's graciousness and you've, you're feeling joy and there's peace in your world and things are kind of flowing and things are good and, and, and God seems to be with you and, and on track with you. And then all of a sudden you enter a season where it kind of dries up. The fruit kind of dries up and all of a sudden we're frustrated and we're losing the joy and we're losing the peace and we're really short with our kids and we're short with people and we just don't know what we're supposed to be doing anymore. And the Bible says to us that disconnection from the vine leads to what? It leads to the drying up of fruit. What fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. And the scripture we're looking at tells us that there is a mandate on us if we are disciples and sons and daughters of God, if we are grafted into Jesus, that at some point our lives will bear fruit. That is the mandate on us, that we need to, as a people, be bearing fruit in our lives. But the bearing of the fruit, I want to tell you this morning, church, is less in us striving and more in us remaining. And I want you to try and catch hold of the revelation because what it will do is it will release you from trying to perform the Christian life, trying to do it in your own strength, trying to please God with what you can do when you understand. He says, I'm not calling you to that, because I've already chosen you. I love you. And I will work the plan out in your life that I've had for you before the foundations of the earth were formed. But I want you to stay connected. I want you to rather work on just remaining in me. Because when you do that, man, I can get anything in you and through you. Amen? And so there's a point that we kind of got a journey with God in. We've got to get to a point with God where we catch that revelation that no matter how badly you may want to fly solo, doesn't matter how equipped doesn't matter the resources you have, doesn't matter the education you've got, you can have the most secure, supported, loved network around you that's just going to champion you in any direction. If you are determined to go it alone and you break connection from God, ultimately you fall short of where He wants you. Ultimately you don't make it. Why? Because you stop doing what God designed you to do, and that's to remain connected with Him, to flourish when you're with Him. John 15, 4 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, remains, endures, 
stays expectant in me and I in him will bear much fruit for without me you can do nothing. And that's kind of a crazy statement from Jesus. It's remarkable, but I don't think it's meant to be read like so many of us read. It's kind of like Jesus giving us the divine ultimatum. Guys, it's my way or the highway. You either choose me or you're going to suffer. You either do it my way or life's going to be pretty miserable. And it's kind of like he puts you into a corner and there's just no other option that you have. But I think if you look at that statement and you put it in context of what God is saying, he's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to these guys that he loves that he's chosen over three years to invest his time and his energy. He's poured his heart into these guys. And so it's from that context that he says, guys, I know you. I know you. I was at the beginning of the world. I saw you being formed. And because I know your form, I know this, that there's going to come a point and there's going to come times in your life where you're going to find it really hard to trust me. You're going to walk through challenges. You're going to walk through storms. You're going to walk through things that are just going to hit you out of left field. And the reaction is going to push back against me and try and deal with it yourself. The reaction is you're going to try and take my hands off your steering wheel and you're going to try and go it alone. But I want you to stay connected. I want you to stay grafted. I want you to abide in me. And I want you to catch it this morning, church. The reality is this. God doesn't expect you to have all the answers. God doesn't expect you to know what you're doing all the time. So when challenges hit you, he's not sitting back and waiting for you. You know, his hope and his dreams on you making it are not placed on the back of your ability. For some of you, it's a bit of a shock to hear this morning, but it's the truth. His, his hopes and dreams of you making it in this life are not based on your ability or your skill or your education or how good you are as a communicator or how popular you are or how hard you work or how faithful you are as a husband, father, all that's great, but it doesn't determine God moving in your life. It doesn't determine God moving in your life. Why? Because it's not about your ability, it's about His. And He's simply asking before anything else, just do what I've created you to do. I want you to connect. I want you to remain in me. I want you to learn what it is to rest in me, to chase after me, to seek my spirit, to lay hold of me. Because here's the money shot. It's in Christ that you draw nourishment. It's in Christ that you draw nutrients. And as you draw that from Christ, not you, that through you, you begin to bear fruit. That through you, God begins to deliver. That through you, God begins to bless. So as it passes in you and through you, that fruit in your life begins to glorify God begins to tell people that you're a follower of Jesus. Not in your ability to produce, but in His. You see, a, a branch grafted to a vine doesn't have to struggle and strive and strain and endure to produce fruit. All the branch has to do is stay connected to the vine. And if He does that, at some point, that branch is going to bear fruit. Why? Because He's keeping Himself open for that nourishment and nutrient and power from the vine to flow through into the branch. You see, regardless of what others may have told you, the truth is this, that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made before God. And that when he saw you in the womb, he decided in that moment to breathe life into you and you came alive. And what I find even more amazing than that is that the reason he made you primarily is to love you. 
The reason he made you was because he desired connection. He desired relationship. And so the very purpose of your life, the very reason that you're here is that you would fulfill that connection with him. That you would be first his, his, his center and object and focus of his affection and his love. And then as his creation, you would return that to him. That is ultimately what God has designed us for, which I think is incredible, that all your days have been planned and written before you, before him, that he's the great architect and author of your faith, but he calls you now just to abide. Why? Because he's got your back, because he's done it all. He has every plan and purpose in place for your life. He's got the strategies, and all he wants for you to stay connected and he'll do the rest, amen? It's not about planning and preparing and strategizing for fruit and forcing it in your life. It's about remaining. You see, because the truth is when you're connecting with God and you choose him over every other vine in the vineyard, you're tapping into a higher power. You're tapping into the spirit of God. And the spirit of God has the ability to do far better and above and more than you and I can do in ourselves, amen? In and of ourselves, the journey's a bit too far. In and of ourselves, the mountain's a bit too high. But when we tap into God and we allow the Spirit to work in us, God can fulfill what He's got for us. Amen? And so I feel this morning that that really is a word for some of you today. That you come to a point where you're just going, man, I don't know how much longer I can keep striving and keep pushing and keep trying to, you know, I spoke a while ago on juggling plates. I don't know how much longer I can keep all the plates in the air just to keep things flowing and moving. And I want to tell you this morning that it's, it's no more about being troubled and anxious for many things. It's about finding a point where you go, you know what? I just need Jesus. I just need to find a place where I can stop and just connect into God. Connect back with Christ. Ask that spirit to come alive inside of me and then trust by faith that God has your back. That God has, because I can tell you now, church, he's much better at spinning plates than we are. Amen? Amen? Proverbs 3, 5, 6, one of my favorite scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Amen? And so I want to lift some expectation this morning of people that have thought, you know what? God's kind of measuring my life by what I'm doing. That the better I do what I do, the more secure I'm going to be in Christ. The better I do what I do, the more welcoming God is going to be to me and his family. And that's just not true, church. God chose you. You didn't choose God. And because God chose you, he loves you unconditionally. And he's not measuring your life by your performance. He's measuring your life by your faithfulness to him, your obedience to him, that you would just, that you would just open your arms and say, God, I'm here. I want connection. I want to do what you've designed me to do. And so what does being grafted look like? If we really want to stay close to the vine, if we, want to, if we want to draw on Jesus, draw on his nutrient, not circumstance, then how do we respond in life? How does that look? Well, I want you to come with me to Luke 5. We're going to kick off in verse 3, and it says this. Then he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Peter... Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And so a lot of you would have heard the story, I'm sure, in one form or another. And I guess probably just to paint the picture a little bit, here's Peter. He's tired. He's frustrated. It's the morning after a very long, long night for this man. Fishing 
applying his skill in his trade and just catch nothing. It was just an, a floppy night, nothing happened, very unsuccessful. And, you know, you can imagine him sitting in this boat now with Jesus, just tired and deflated and frustrated. And man probably just wants to go to sleep and forget about the night he's had. And you see, it's kind of crazy because you've got to understand, Peter wasn't just trying fishing out for the day. Peter, that's what he did. That was his livelihood. He grew up a fisherman, an expert angler. He knew how to make nets. He knew where the right fish were in the right place. He knew when the weather had to be. He knew where to go on the lake. So he was an expert at what he did. He did it for a living, and he did it very well. But for all his ability, for all his craft and his skill, he still ends up turning up with nothing, empty-handed. After all the patience he's had, after being in the right, doing everything he knows how to do, he comes up empty-handed. And maybe how many of you can identify with Peter sometimes in life? That feels like us. For all the skill and energy and time and effort, being in the right place, working the right networks, talking to the right people, life just seems to be a little bit cruel. Life just seems to hand us the empty carts, the bad hands, and we have this disconnect between what we're trying to achieve and the frustration of not being able to achieve it, and life just being a little bit unfair. And so now Peter has kind of shifted hats, and he's gone from fisherman, and now he's disciple, and he's in the boat with Jesus, as I said, probably half asleep as Jesus is teaching, and he's going through the motions with Jesus, and Jesus kind of finishes addressing the crowd, and then he kind of hones in on Peter, and he says, now Peter, for you, mate, I want you just to kick off a little bit from shore, and I want you to let down your net, and I want you to, let's, let's catch some fish. Now, you've got to understand that Peter hearing that, I bet you my kids, everything inside of him is like, what? Say what? Jesus, surely by divine intervention, you understand what I've just been through last night. Can you not see I'm dribbling while you're teaching? I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I'm frustrated. I've had the worst night. And I actually know what I'm doing, by the way, Jesus. I'm a pretty good fisherman, but I didn't get anything last night. So really, that's the last thing I want to do. So, I mean, really, are you serious? Are you trying to be the funny guy on the boat right now because you're not funny? You know, we're in shallow water. Fish aren't in shallow water. It's in the middle of the day, so it's hot as. Fish aren't here right now. They're not interested, and yet you want me to do what? Put down the net and do it again. Mm. And see, the thing is, church, Jesus probably did. Jesus did know what he, was, what he went through last night. Jesus understood his frustration. Jesus knows that Peter was tired, and he's, you know, he probably heard him catching a few Zs behind him while he's preaching to the multitudes in front of him. So Jesus knows the condition Peter's in right now and how frustrated he is and how disconnected he is and he's not really keen on doing much else, yet he chooses to ignore it. He chooses almost to brush over how Peter's feeling and he says, Peter, I want you to do this. I want you to go out there, cast a net, and let's catch some fish. Why? Why? Is God trying to be cruel? Is he trying to be a bit of a sadist? Is he trying to just get a laugh out of Peter knowing that it's just how hard this is for Peter? No. In that moment, what Jesus is doing is he's testing the graft. He's testing the Jesus Peter graft. He's wanting to see how secure Peter is in Jesus. He wants to see if Peter understands that before he failed, now he's got Jesus in the boat. And it's not so much about Peter's effort or how he's feeling or his circumstances. He wants to know if in that moment, Peter's going to go beyond that and be obedient to his Lord, to his Savior, to his friend, amen, to the Son of God. You see, and again, Jesus is not putting all his hopes and dreams on Peter just had a bit of bad luck last night. So Peter, let's just try it, you know, see what happens. I hear you're a good fisherman, so let's just cross our fingers and hope for the best. You push off and let's see what happens. 
He's trying to see the heart of Peter. He wants to see if Peter really believes that Jesus is all he needs. He's wanting to test the graft. It doesn't matter the odds are stacked against them because now it's the son of the living God asking Peter to do something and he wants to see if Peter can identify with that and go, God, you know what? I'm not having much luck, but that's okay. You're with me now. I'm grafted to you. You're my true vine. I'm going to draw on you so that your words, you know what? I'm going to do it. And verse 5 says, But Peter answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. And this is what I want you to catch, church. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. At your word, I will let down the net. That one small statement is the hallmark of a life grafted in Christ. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. You know, that's the glue, if you will, that brings the branch and the vine together. That is the door that opens for the Spirit of God to move in our world. Nevertheless, I will. You know, it's not dependent on feeling or emotion or circumstance or situation. It's trusting that God has what you don't and that he will be faithful to deliver it. If you would just speak the words, God, nevertheless, at your word, I will. Isn't it interesting that Jesus wasn't there in that moment when Peter said, God, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. Jesus didn't stop him and say, well, buddy, it's okay. You're awesome. You're a great fisherman. It's okay. I know your feelings are probably a little bit hurt by that and you're a bit deflated, but it's okay, buddy. I want you to do it because you're amazing. Jesus didn't say any of that. He kind of almost just went, you know what? I want you to put how you're feeling aside. Why? Because I'm here. I am who I am. I am the great I am. And if you would just understand, I'm looking past all the excuses and all the reasons why not to. I'm just waiting for the moment that you would tell me what I want to hear. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. Because that statement in your life says, God, you know what? You are the one true vine. And by trust and by faith, I know that you can deliver what I can't. Even if you ask me to walk back into the same situation that I'm struggling in and I haven't had any luck because now you're asking it of me and if I just stay connected to you, God, you're going to bring an answer. God, you're going to give me hope. God, you're going to bring a miracle. Nevertheless, at your word, regardless of how many times I've failed, regardless of how many times I've missed the mark, regardless of the fact I can't actually see the answer and I don't know the way forward and I'm not sure what to do with my kids and I'm feeling sad and I'm down and I'm not, my life's just imploding. Nevertheless, at your word, as you speak to me, as I spend time with you, I'll do what you ask me to do. Amen? Verse six, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Peter. And Jesus said to Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed 
him. And I love the picture that paints. Here are these men. Here's Peter, who's gone from doubting and being frustrated, going, God, you know what? Nevertheless, at your word, I will. And the next moment, he enters into a miracle. God does something through him just at his word. And that can signify in your life the stripping back of who you are. And it can bring you to your knees in worship at God doing the impossible in your world. And I think God is so clever like that because he knows if you will just do what I ask you to do, you're going to step into breakthrough and it's going to cause my creation to worship me. And what does worship do? It strengthens the connection. Strengthens the connection between the vine and the branch. Amen. You know, in this season's church where things are tough and dry, we've come to the end of ourselves and we're weary, and Christ looks at the heart. You know, he wants to know that regardless of the condition on the outside, will you be true to him on the inside? Will you declare to him, Father, nevertheless, at your word, I will. You know, and some of you this morning, I feel that it's, you've been struggling with the words you know, you're struggling with, with the words that you're reading in the, in the pages of the Bible. You're struggling with what God's asking you to do. And I want to encourage you this morning, you know, Peter didn't see the fish swarming under the boat as he sat there. They were just under the boat, but he didn't see it. All he had to go on was the word of God. Peter let down your nets. So in his mind, he's thinking, God, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Church, but I want you to get hold of that this morning. Peter didn't see the fish swarming underneath the boat. But the fact is he had Jesus in his boat. And when Jesus walks into your life, he brings with him miracles. He blessing and miraculous follow God. He can't help it. You know, get off me. They just keep following Jesus. So you want Jesus in your life and you want him in your boat. But you won't always see the miracle. You won't always see the solution. Probably most of the time you won't see the answer. Jesus will ask you first, I want you to push off and let down the net. And you're going to sit there in your frustration and be tired and go, God, I don't understand. I don't see why. I don't know. I but he's saying, I'm looking at the heart. Will you trust me? Will you have faith in me? Do you believe that I'm the one true vine? And if you will stay grafted to me and draw on my strength, draw on my peace, Draw on what you can't do. You're going to let down your nets in life and you will catch the miracle. How many times have there been in your life where maybe you've been that far away from breakthrough, that far away from the miraculous and you've got, I just can't do it. I just can't let the nets down. And you've moved on and just missed it. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to live a life that just misses the miraculous of God. I don't want to be a, uh, uh, live a life that just misses the breakthrough, just misses the answer because I didn't quite trust enough. I didn't quite, that graph just wasn't strong enough. Lord, I might get you up if I can this morning, that'd be awesome. And so as I, I said earlier, if we, if we read down in John 15, 16, God says something, Jesus says something amazing to his disciples. He kind of rounds off what he's teaching them. As he's speaking, he says, guys, you need to understand this. I chose you you did not choose me. I chose you from the beginning of the world. I chose you. I chose you. What does that mean? It means that if I chose you, then I will be with you. And if I'm with you, then I will work through you. I chose you. You didn't choose me. 
And for some of you, you need to catch that revelation this morning. God chose you. He chose your life. And you're saying, well, Justin, how can he? Does he know my life? Does he know the life I've lived? Does he know how many times I haven't taken him at his word? I may not even know him. Does he know what my life looks like, what I've done? Surely he looks at that and goes, I'll look for someone else. No, he doesn't. The truth is, God says, I've chosen you in all that you are and the condition that you're in. I've chosen you. And all I'm asking of you is that you would choose me, that you would abide in me as a true vine. And if you will just come to me and rest in me, maybe just lay hold of me because that's all you can do right now in life. If you do that, then I promise you that I'll begin to work through your life. I'll put my spirit inside of you. And when you haven't seen answers, I'll bring answers. When you haven't been able to have hope, I'll start stirring hope again in your life, in your heart. But I want you to trust me. It's less about striving, church. It's more about remaining in Him. God's got the goods. God's got your back. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning? close your eyes this morning thank you Father you know I just feel this morning as I said earlier on that maybe there's people here this morning and you've been striving and you've been struggling and you've been wrestling with so many things in life and you're just saying Justin you know what I'm tired I'm tired I can identify with Peter in that boat Jesus may be there, but I'm just feeling tired. I just can't do it anymore. I'm coming to the end of myself in it. I'm trying to keep all these plates going, and I'm just scared I'm going to drop one, and I'm not sure how to, how to do this well. And so I'm finding myself fighting and pushing, and it's always uphill. It's always so much effort. And I find myself lying awake at night thinking, how's this going to work? How's this going to, if I don't plan, if I don't do something, it's all going to fall apart. And so you start grasping at things and grasping at straws and trying to keep life together. All the more you're feeling like you're just becoming more disconnected from that true vine, disconnected from God. And I want to tell you, there's a word in season for you this morning. Jesus chose you. You didn't choose him. Jesus loves you. You're the point and focus of his affection. And I just feel this morning that he's asking you to step out of that place of struggle. Step out of that place of striving and just come and just surrender to me. Just surrender to me. Just go, God, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to keep this working. So you know what? I'm going to stop trying. I'm going to stop striving and I'm going to start remaining. I'm just going to come to you and I'm going to say, God, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do what you need me to do. I want to make a resolution. I want to start again. I want to draw a line in the sand and say, and say God, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do it. Whatever it is you're asking of me, doesn't matter how I'm feeling, what I'm seeing, what I'm not seeing. If you're with me and I'm with you, then at your word, I'm going to do it. So this morning, I just want to give an opportunity. I'd love to just stand and pray with you that you're entering a new season going forward. But you know what? The struggling is going to stop. The wrestling is going to stop. 
the frustration and the fear and the anxiety is going to stop in Jesus' name. That you're going to go home tonight and you're going to sleep. You're going to have rest. You're going to find security you've never had before because Jesus is going to come alongside you and say, you know what, son, daughter, I got your back. I've got your back. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. I've got the goods. I'm going to deliver. I just want you to stay connected to me. I just want you to remain with me. If that's you this morning, I just love an opportunity just to pray with you and encourage you. Ask God to fill you afresh this morning. If that's you, do you want to just come out? I'd love to pray with you. Just come stand on the altar and say, Justin, just pray for me. Just pray for me. I don't want to keep struggling. I don't want to keep striving. I'm sick of wrestling. I need to meet Jesus again and know that he's got my back. He's got my kids back. He's got my future. He's got my marriage. He's got my finances. Some of you are just wrestling with that right now. God, I don't know. It's a bit confusing. I just want to say, just, just take a chance on God. Take a chance on Jesus. Say, here I am. Here I am. God, I choose you. I choose you this morning. I know you've chosen me, but I'm going to make a decision to abide in you this morning. I'm going to make a decision to come to you. I'm going to stop wrestling. Stop fighting. At your word, I will. At your word, I will. At your word, I will. We're just going to come in a time of worship, church. And I just, don't break away from God. Don't disconnect from Him. In this moment, just press in. Press in. You know, God is in this place. His Spirit is here. I know that. Lord, He's just going to lead us in some worship. And while we do that, if you just feel, you know what? Something's got to change. I need change. I want you to come down and I just want to pray with you and encourage you. I'm just going to pray with these amazing people. If that's you, I want to keep this altar open. We're not going to rush it. Come down. I'd love to pray with you. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.